because you can't survive. It's not meant to live your Christian life in isolation. The Bible has a lot of words to say about one another. It talks about serve one another, accept one another, forgive one another, greet one another, bear one another's burdens, be devoted to one another, honor one another, teach one another, submit to one another, encourage one another. And all in the New Testament, all this one another appears right throughout the Scripture. And so Christians, we are supposed to live in, in some sense, connect with a local church, a community to help us to grow in our faith. You cannot survive on your own. Uh, Larry Crabb, an, an American author, says, community matters. That's about like saying oxygen matters. As our lungs require air, so our souls require what only community provides. We were designed by our Trinitarian God, who is himself a group of three persons in profound relationship with one another, to live in relationship. Without it, we die. It's that simple. Without a community where we know, explore, discover, and touch one another, we experience isolation and despair that drives us in wrong directions, that corrupt our efforts to live meaningfully and to love well. The future of the church depends on whether it develops through community. We can get by for a while on size, skilled communication, and programs to meet every need. But unless we sense that we belong to each other, we mask off, the vibrant church of today will become the powerless church of tomorrow. Stale, irrelevant, a place of pretense where sufferers suffer alone, where pressure generates conformity rather than a spirit creating life. That's where the church is hated unless it focuses on community. But anyone who lives in church long enough or uh, community is not easy to live. Uh, many people have bad experiences with uh, community. Uh, Jean Vernier wrote a book called A Place of Relationship. He said community can be a terrible place because it is a place of relationship. It is the revelation of our wounded emotions and of how painful it can be to live with others especially with some people. It is so much easier to live with books and objects, computer or dogs and cats. It is so much easier to live alone and just do things for others when one feels like it. While we are alone, we could believe we love everyone. You know, when you are alone, you, you think you are, you are the most, most saintly person on earth, you know. Because there's no one to challenge your view, no one that you need to compromise, no one, that you, nothing that you need to change, you know. Uh, so there's some sort of a very attractive way of remaining single sometimes, isn't it? Uh, living with people is difficult. Mark Twain used to say, the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. Uh, because people, human beings are complex. And so living in a community, while it is ideal way of what, what church is supposed to be, but we all know the complexity of uh, living with people. Warren Worsby says some people are constructionalists, helping to get the job done. Some people are obstructionalists, getting in the way of those who are trying to get the job done. And lastly, some are destructionalists, 
and they are tearing things down. So which one are you? Are you a constructionalist? Are you an obstructionalist? Or are you a destructionalist? And I hope each one of us here are constructionalists as a part of the body of Christ. And so this is what I'm going to do with the limited time that I have. Uh, I'm going to read to you Acts chapter 2, which uh, Ruth has already highlighted. The first Christian community come together, and the Bible tells us about what the first community, what the first church actually do. I want to read through the passage, and then I want to move to Romans chapter 12, because Romans chapter 12 focuses on how, how are we supposed to live as a body of Christ together? What are some of the skills that we need to have in order to build this community up? So Acts chapter 2 says this, as uh, Ruth has already briefly read to us. Let me just read to you this passage of the first church. This is the first church, and, and most churches need to model after the first church because it gives us a model of what uh, the church is supposed to be doing. They devoted themselves four things, to the apostle teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So four things the ch first church do. And it is a model of the church. We have to do these four things. Uh, we have to teach, we have to fellowship. Breaking of bread may mean more than just the communion. It means the sharing meals together and prayer. So these are four things that a church needs to do, which I put it under first C called content. The content of a church is apostle teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And when you devote yourself to this content, it will influence your character. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostle. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there's a content. The content is devote yourself to prayer, the apostle teaching, breaking of bread and fellowship. And then the character is they feel we all, oh, they're excited. Great things happen in the community. And then the consequence is that the Lord added to the church tremendous amount of people. But while we look at this text, it seems as so ideal and so beautiful, it doesn't get long down into chapter 5 that this fellowship begins to fall apart. And that is where Ananias and, and Sapphira came in. And then that problem started to affect the community again. So the question is, do you love the church? Do you, do you want to be part of this community and play your part and build this community up that the Lord so desire? So let me just move forward to chapter 12. And I want to focus just on the point number two, but I want to give you the outline of chapter 12, but I'll zoom in on uh, point number two, which is verse three to eight, which is the, the topic that I want to explore. Chapter 12, you know, the whole book of Romans is an amazing book. Chapter one to 11, talk about the theology, talk about we are sinners, all saved by grace, we are all sinners, fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, and all that, and how we are saved, law and grace and all that. And come to chapter 12, 
is where Paul begins to apply. And so it, it, it starts off with verse 1 and 2. It's a very familiar verses that we all uh, uh, know. Uh, present your body as a living sacrifice. So the first point in chapter 12 is Paul is telling us of your responsibility as a believer to God. What are your responsibilities? Is to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, and do not be conformed to the world and all that. That's your responsibility as a believer to God. And then, verse 3 to 8, it talks about your responsibility to the church, to the body of Christ. And this is where I want to zoom in and give you four points. And then I'll just read through afterwards to the end. The point number three is your responsibility to one another. So with this outline, let me just begin with uh, uh, verse 1 and 2 about your responsibility. I love my church and I, I hope you will love your church. When I first became Christian, I loved the church so much that every activities in the church, I was there whether it is prayer meeting, whether it's working bee, whether it's choir, whatever event that they have, uh, I'm there because I found myself a new home, a new community, a new fellowship uh, that, I, that I always go there. I use the church to study too because we don't have a good home environment to study and so we always go down to church and just at one corner, put up the table and a quiet environment. We, my brother and I will study there. Uh, and sometimes the pastor will come down and, and talk to us and all that. And I love the church. Every wonderful opportunity, I, I'm there. And, uh, and that is community. But of course, as, you, as we all know, as we live, we sort of get along, difficult people, and it becomes sour, and relationship, and then people leave church, and people give up their faith, and all that. So I just want to zoom in. How do we do that? How, what kind of advice does Paul gives us? So he begins by saying about your responsibility as a believer to God. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, all right? A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your proper and true worship. That's your responsibility to God. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to test and prove what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so this is your responsibility as a believer to God. And now I want to move from verses 3 to 8. I want to give you four points on your responsibility as a, as a believer to the body of Christ, to this church. Now that you are a Christian, you got baptized, you say, I believe, I obey, I belong. And God says to you, well, you are washed, you, are, you have died, and you are alive. You belong to the body of Christ. You contribute, you use your gifts, you, you build up one another, you get fed and you, you use your gift to, as a body of Christ, we function together. And so four things I want to give to you uh, about how to love the church, how to play your part as a believer into the body of Christ. The first one is a personal commitment. You know, things start with making a decision, making a commitment. Of course, many of us, we make commitment that we don't keep, but it doesn't mean to say that we don't make commitment. We still have to do our best to fulfill the vows or whatever that you make to God. Because Ecclesiastes chapter 5 did talk about that, isn't it? Do not make vows or what too quick, but if you make, you must go and fulfill it. Whether it's your vow to your spouse on your wedding day, or whether it is a vow to God when you bring your baby forward for baby dedications. Uh, 
It begins with personal commitment. Nice music. <laughs> Verse 3 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, if you look at verse 1 and 2, Paul focused from general plural you and he begins to shift down to every one of you. It's very personal. He said, now I want to address to you as a person, individuals. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. So it begins with a personal commitment. Commitment to say, I want to play a part in this body of Christ. I want to love the church. I want to play my role, my part in this community uh, to contribute, to play my role as a member in this church. So what does it take to love the church, to play a part? Is It begins with a personal commitment. Make a decision. You'll be amazed that when you make a decision and then sometimes you can move towards fulfilling that kind of commitment. It begins always with a personal commitment. It's just at the beginning of a year, you make a commitment so that you can see through the years. Every year, we make a commitment. So it begins with a personal commitment. And secondly, it begins with a godly perspective. To love the church, to play your part in the community, in the body of Christ, you need a certain godly perspective. What is this godly perspective that Paul is talking about? He is not just saying that, well, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So the godly perspective that you need to have as a Christian and part of the community is that you must see yourself as both a true sinner and at the same time deep, deeply loved by God. You are a true sinner and deeply loved by God. Timothy Keller, a Presbyterian church pastor uh, in New York, he said, you are more sinful than you could dare imagine and you are more loved and accepted than you could ever dare hope. And so the first key, I think, we need to have a godly perspective in order to function as a community is that we need to have a godly perspective to see ourselves as a sinner and yet at the same time loved by God. If you don't see yourself as a sinner, you will forever thinking that you're better than others. Why is this person doing this, you know? You, know, you always be criticizing, looking down, judging what this person is doing this, what this person is not holy, what is this person. You're forever thinking that you're going to fix this person up. And we need to have a godly perspective in order to function in a proper community. We need to have a godly perspective. That do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Can I even add to say, do not think of yourself more lowly than you ought? You know, we like to sing from one extreme to the other. It's either we are on that side of thinking of ourselves too highly or we think of ourselves too lowly. And it reminds me of the verse in Philippians chapter 4.13, isn't it? The famous verse that we often use, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If you really think about that verse, it didn't say I can do all things. It didn't say I can't do all things. 
It simply says, you actually can do all things, but it's only through Christ who gives you strength. So there's a balance of doing all things, but not your own intelligence or your own effort or own skill, but I can only do all things because of Christ giving me strength. So there's this balance. You need to have this godly perspective in order to work well in a community having this proper evaluation of who we are, seeing ourselves as both true sinners, at the same time we are deeply loved by God. And that will keep us humble that we are saved by grace. We are all same, on the same platform under the foot of the cross. On the same platform. And therefore, uh, efficient Paul reminds us there's nothing to be proud about but we, because we are all saved by grace and not by your work. Unless your religion is saved by your own works, then in that sense, you can be proud. Oh, yeah, I kept this 10 law. You only kept five, you know? You, know uh, you can't do that. But if you're saved by grace, then there's actually uh, nothing to be proud of. And the third things that we need to look at is a sense of corporate responsibility. A sense of corporate responsibility. And that is in verse 4 and 5. The commitment to be responsible because I belong to you. The commitment to be responsible because I belong to you. I belong to the church. I play a part. I'm part of the family. I'm part of the body of Christ. I may be just the toe or the finger or the eye or the hair, but I play a part in the body of Christ. I'm one of the parts of the body of Christ. I should ask doctor, is there any parts of our body that is actually uh, useless? I don't know. What is the operation? The uh, appendicitis. Well, maybe it's a useful, it gives surgeon time to practice. <laughs> God is also good, you know, give new surgeon you know, time to practice. I don't know. Uh, but whatever it is, we must have a sense of corporate responsibility because I belong to you. I'm dead. I, I belong to the church. I belong to one another. Of course, it's difficult because in this society that we live in, we, we often uh, hate this kind of things that we are responsible to one another. We are on our own world. We are on our life and all that. There's a story about a mouse who looked through a crack in a wall to see the farmer and his wife opening a package. What food might it contain? The mouse asked himself. He was surprised to discover that it was a mouse trap. And so retreating to the farmyard, the mouse proclaimed the warning to the rest of the animals. There is a mouse trap in the house. There's a mouse trap in the house. And the chicken clutched and scratched, raised her head and said, Well, Mr. Mouse, I can tell you this is a grave concern to you, but it is of no consequence to me. I can't be bothered. And the mouse turned to the pig and told the pig, there is a mouse trap in the house. I'm, I'm so very sorry, Mr. Mouse, sympathized the pig. But there is nothing I can think of to do about it. Surely someone else will step in to help. Anyway, the mouse trap is too big for me. Uh, the mouse turned to the cow who replied, like, wow, Mr. Mouse, a mouse trap, and I, am I in grave danger, huh? Uh, so the mouse returned to the house, head down and dejected to face the farmer's mouse trap alone. And that very night, sound was heard throughout the house, like the sound of a mousetrap catching its prey. And the farmer's wife rushed to see what was caught. 
and in the darkness in the darkness she did not see that it was a venomous snake whose tail the trap had caught so the snake bit the farmer's wife the farmer rushed her to the hospital she returned home with a fever now everyone knows you treat a fever with fresh chicken soup So the farmer took his hatchet to the farmyard for the soup main ingredient. And his wife's sickness continued. So the friends and neighbors came to sit with her around the clock. And to feed them, the farmer butchered the pig. And the farmer's wife did not get well. In fact, she died. And so many people came for the funeral. The farm had a cow slaughtered to provide meat for all of them to eat. So the next time you hear that someone facing a problem and think that it does not concern you, uh, remember that when the least of us is threatened, we are all at risk. Uh, G.K. Chesterton says, All people matter. You matter. I matter. It's the hardest thing in theology to believe. Each of us is a vital threat in another person's tapestry. Our lives are woven together for a reason. And so uh, the third thing that we, in order for us to live together in a community as a disciple is to have a sense of corporate responsibility. We are, we belong to one another. We belong to one another. And the last one that I want to give to you is, oh I forgot to read this, isn't it? I just went on. For, each, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to one another, to form this body of Christ. And the th fourth point is a recognition of diversity. In order for us to function in a community, harmoniously, we must have this recognition of diversity. God make us different. And it's wonderful to be different. I don't want to live with another Glen at home. So you should not as well. We are meant to complement each other, not competition. A recognition of diversity. God loves diversity. Here it says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Then give generously. I think I missed out the last bit. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And so, 
in order to function in the community, we must recognize diversity that God gives to the church with different gifts, with different people. I'll be horrified to know that everybody in the church is like the pastors. Then a lot of work will not be done. A lot of work will never happen if it is only the pastors that's doing the job and only using the gifts the pastors has. A lot of work will not be done. For a Sunday morning service to happen for one and a half hours, so many people need to work. From the projection to the sound to the weekdays putting announcements together to preparing the coffee and the biscuit and the singing, the practice and playing the organ and the piano and the guitar and arranging the chair, make sure the fan is turned on. So many people need to play a part just for one and a half hours together. God gives us diverse gifts that we don't always need to always beat the person up to be like us all the time. Uh, if you look through the scripture, God uses all kinds of people. Abraham, he was old. Elijah, he was suicidal. Joseph, he was abused. Uh, Job went bankrupt. Moses, he had a speech problem. Gideon, he was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. But he turned around. Rahab was a prostitute. Samaritan woman divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about anything and everything. Zacchaeus, he was small and money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Can't even stay with Jesus at the final moment of his life on earth. Paul, Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming warned. You see that? That God used diverse people with different gifts. Every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. So that is your responsibility to the body of Christ. And now in my closing statement, I just want to read to you the final verses of your responsibility to one another in this community. Your responsibility to one another. Love must be sincere, Paul said. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Don't give up serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor, however small, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, you know, Paul is very realistic. Sometimes it's not possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. Will repay. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Be an overcomer. Be not, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, such straightforward, simple words. Many times we try to look at the scripture and think about passages that we don't understand. Uh, like Mark Twain said, it is those passages in the Bible that I do understand that is the problem. Not those passages in the Bible that I do not understand that is the problem. It's straightforward, clear about our responsibility as a believer to you, our responsibility to the body of Christ, and our responsibility to one another. Lord, may you bless this community. Uh, forgive us, Lord, uh, for the disunity of your church and the brokenness of Christ's body. Uh, forgive us for the way we allow our words and deeds to destroy hope and diminish other people's lives. Forgive us for our selfish, arrogant criticism of others and our failure to be the meek of the earth. Forgive us, Lord, that too often we reflect the attitudes and values of a world that has turned its back on its maker and not those of the kingdom of God. Forgive us that we break what was meant to be whole and hinder everything that will bring healing and trust. Lord, forgive us. May you today, this morning, uh, renew us and make us vessels of your grace to a broken and hurting world uh, through this beautiful community that are not afraid to be broken and to be vulnerable to one another. Uh, because the truth of the matter is we don't have it all. And until we are all willing uh, to acknowledge that uh, no true biblical community can